The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, where we explore nighttime dreams, daytime desires, and the best ways to transform the tragic into magic. Because let's face it, we all dream, we all have our blessings, and we all have our challenges, myself included. And I don't want any of us to take any of those things lying down, if you know what I mean. I just wrote a book entitled, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. I'm excited to explore the topic with you, whether it relates to your waking or sleeping dreams, because we're dreaming all the time, people. So let's make it the best dream possible. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome to the show today. I am so excited to share with you my amazing guest. I feel like she and I are just meeting, but I have such a deep soul connection with Tiffany Lazic. She's an author of multiple books, which I'm going to, we're going to talk about in just a moment, but I want to, because we've got so much to share with you today, I feel almost like we need to really, really get centered. So let me just invite everybody to turn in for a brief moment. Let's just close our eyes and just ah, center in, let our feet touch the ground if we can. And let's just let go of any of the worry, hurry, scurry, flurry from the outer world. And let's just let it all go. So we can drop all the way in like the deepest roots of the deepest, biggest, tallest tree. Let's just be those roots so that we can grow tall during this time together so that we can call in all the wisdom and we can just give so much thanks in advance for Tiffany Lazic for joining us all the way from Wales. And let's just give thanks for our willingness to be here and with open hearts, with open minds, open souls and open spirits to become all that we are capable of being and having a shift, having an awakening, being taught and remembering a way to be able to shift the tragic into magic in perhaps a new way. So thank you. So it is our men, our women, our Tiffany. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. So let me just tell y'all about this amazing woman, Tiffany Lazic. She is a spiritual psychotherapist with nearly 20 years of experience in transpersonal psychology. She trained the she trained at the Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training, where she also teaches. Tiffany is a sought after international presenter and the owner of the Hive and Grove Center for Holistic Wellness with a private therapy practice offering individual, couples and group therapy. She's also developed highly regarded self-development programs Her website is Hive, like Beehive, Hive, and, A-N-D, Grove.ca, HiveAndGrove.ca. And her book that we'll be talking about today is The Noble Art. So we'll talk about that. But first, I just want to say, Tiffany, you and I were scheduled to do this interview quite a while ago, and I was... That was during a time when I was I was taking a little bit of a break from what I was doing. And so I said, well, let's just put a pin in it and we'll reconvene some at some point in the future. And I kind of decided to start taking, even though my show is very dream centric, I've been going down kind of this other rabbit hole called Tragic to Magic that's kind of related to my book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. And you reached out to me and you sent me an email that really, 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 
imprinted me, really touched my heart. And you said that you know something about transforming tragic into magic, going through something incredibly tragic recently, mm-hmm. and here you are. So mm-hmm. would you be willing to talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You know, it's interesting because I, I think in truth, we were scheduled to talk almost exactly a year ago. I think it was like April. So it's oh, been a year, a year. Wow. And um, and in that time as well, so after that time where, you know, I was in transition moving from Canada to Wales. And um, and so my my healing center, which I had for 12 years, is now uh, virtual. <laughs> so Thank God you know, we could I do that. Tweak some of the info, but um, yeah. And. And and so, you know, I, I think even in that, there was there had been sort of an intention that we would reconnect because uprooting everything from, um, you know, the, the place that has been your country for your entire life, um, as much as there's a call for the soul, um, and there was a soul call, there has long been a soul call to this land. Um, and what I thought was really interesting is before we, you know, I... I connected in um I thought well I will just turn to a deck that I really really love to to work with mm. called the hero's journey dream oracle just because <laughs> <laughs> you're cute oh you're so cute <laughs> it's literally like right beside me and I'm like okay so what let's just get some focus on on there's so much to talk about there's so much to share there's so many pieces so what what exactly is going to be my focus what is the nudge and the card that I pulled was Dream Sanctuary. The thing that struck me, because I love, attend to the simple things. And the thing that I love is the, the little quote um, that is at the beginning of each of the write-ups about it. And this quote is about meeting a woman uh, on a, along a walk. And they said, hello, ask her where she's going. And she repri- replied, Radu i im unbarot. She replied in Welsh. Oh, oh my God. That's even amazing. That I got the... How did you even know how to say that? You're the only person I've ever talked to that's actually said that. Everyone else says blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and what does it mean? And it means I'm already here. And that is... So I had a call to this land and there were things that kept me from coming to this land. And then there was a crisis that happened in my life that made me realize that there are times when you need to step into the thing, which is the thing that is calling you. And it was a crisis that I had around my son in at the beginning of COVID in March of 2020 and that that was even before the noble art came out so it had been in roots for a long time made me realize okay this is the time if if this is something that I've been wanting to do my life my whole life this is the time to do it so it took two years to put everything in place and in that time there was a lot of uh my son went through um his own crisis and and reached out to me and I you know gave him a hand to to help him out of that he was uh re- rebuilding um a lot of pieces that had had fractured for him and um and we were just developing this really really beautiful bridge in our relationship um which really cemented when my husband and I landed here his stepfather Um, So we moved here in June and I think I had the most beautiful conversations and the strongest relationship that I'd had with my son who's 24 um, in, in years. And, um, and then in September, he took his life. 
And this is the first time I'm talking about it. Thank you, Tiffany. You know, it was um, just a couple of weeks ago, really, that was the six months anniversary of his death. And there, there are so many things. There are so many things around that. Um, you know, one of the main, not one of the main things, one of the things out of so many main things, part of what prompted um, the great work, my first book to come out yeah. in truth was um, the death of my mom. Oh. And uh, she passed away in um, 2008. Uh, one of the last things that she ever said was, um, I have lived a good life. I have no regrets. And I know that I am loved. And I remember thinking there, there is nothing greater that one can ask for at the end of a life. And, and yet, and my mom and I, of course, I mean, my mother, myself, we that book. <laughs> so we went through our struggles. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, um, and, and again, found the place to weave a beautiful beautiful relationship I loved her so much um I mean I always did and loved her and had a strong relationship with her and I felt she was my strength you know she was my strength and then she died and I was like I have no strength and and it was one of those moments, certainly in the work that I was doing as a spiritual psychotherapist, where I, I went through a crisis. It, mm -hmm. it, it was a crisis of faith because it yeah. was all of a sudden I thought, do I actually believe what I teach? Like, do I actually believe what I hold space to guide people through? Because if I don't, then I can't do this work anymore. And a lot of it had to do with what is my relationship with spirit? What do I actually believe happens to our souls? You know, what, what do I actually believe relationship looks like when our loved ones die and so it took me about a year to I, I realized early on that that's what I was struggling with and and in truth I the opening of my healing center mm. solely at the feet of my mother solely at the feet because I remember getting dressed one one morning, like I was, you know, you're going around, you know, getting the sweater here, getting the earrings there. And mm -hmm. I, I smelled her perfume. I just kept smelling her perfume. And it was like following me everywhere. Wow. Finally, literally, I dropped to my knees and I was like, what? <laughs> Spell it out, lady. <laughs> And I felt a little kiss on my forehead. And she said, it's time to do your own work. It's time to, because I was working, I was working at the interrupt. I was working about an hour away from where I lived. And it's like, it is time to bring this home. So... After that, it was three years later, we lost my dad. And, and, you know, there was, there was a whole thing in there as well. I do remember, I mean, I had a very good relationship with my dad, loved my dad. Um, 
but I was very close with my mom, right? It was like, mom and I did things together. Dad was there. Right. And, and I remember, I remember actively with when my mom died, I, and I thought, oh, okay. Now I have an opportunity to have a really close relationship with my dad. I thought, absolutely not. Because I am not going through this pain again. The pain of losing mom, I will not go through this again. And then I thought, which I think so many know, but that pain is a reflection of the depths of the love. And who wouldn't want that? Mm. So I did spend the next three years really deepening my relationship with my dad. You know what's funny now that I think about it? One of the last things that I did with dad was the last thing that we did for my birthday. He took me and my son to go see um, the Shakespeare play, The Tempest, oh, wow. um, at Stratford with Christopher Plummer. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Oh. And being there with my dad and my son, um, who would have been 14 at the time, I guess. Um, but you know what's so funny that I just thought? And this is how it works. I just ordered a bunch of um, fountain pen inks because I'm a little bit of a fountain pen um, aficionado. <laughs> um, and the one that arrived today was called The Tempest. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Oh, I know. Wow. It's, I know. There's so many, so many things, so many things, right? And I think that that this is where this tragic to magic comes in because there is something yeah. about the tragic that cracks you open. And and the cracking open can feel like it destroys you, but it also actually it can it can take the scales off your eyes so that you can see that spirit is there. I I remember saying with mom that having my mom by my side always felt like I had so much courage because because I could just step out and there was always a net like she was always there and then when she died it was like where's the net like and then I realized it's all net. <laughs> right? Oh, it's always been all net. It's always oh. been all net. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. So, oh, I came. I feel like saying, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I am so okay. I'm, you're just cracking me for there's you know some people are watching gonna watch this and some people are just listening but if you're listening just know I'm just (laughs) I'm just a weeping mess over here but in the best way I'm cracked open that's the new crack yeah Yeah. so always after is this edge right here yeah I'm right where I want to be I'm so grateful so so in love with this conversation and your vulnerability and your honesty it's it is like it is everything I crave it's mm. it is my drug it's and it's the mm-hmm. drug that doesn't leave me dry right 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 yeah it, so it, it is going. that um yeah there's just so so many threads there, there's some things that happen so so I brought up what happened with my mom because you know, it's so interesting, especially when you talk about the dark nights of the soul. And and I think there can be this perception of, you know, okay, yes, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's like, oh, yeah, well, it'll come around again. <laughs> <laughs> Not every t-shirt. There's a few Not other every styles. T-shirt. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there may be a couple. Variations. <laughs> a closet and, full of them. 
And so there was that. So, so what happened? So I said, I lost my mom. I lost my dad. Mom was 2008. Dad was 2011. And then in 2017, there was some things that happened. Two things happened. My son who, and it's such, it's such a common familiar tale, you know, that he struggled as a teenager. Um, I think especially, you know, he didn't have a relationship with his biological father, his biological father is struggling, still struggling. He had a really good relationship with his stepfather. Um, but there was an encounter that happened to happen with his biological father that started to interfere with that. So then he was kind of lost at the time when it's like, you know, teenagerhood and high school. And um, and then he got into drugs and, you know, so he tried to pull himself out and kind of slid back in and tried to pull himself out. So in 2017, there was one of those moments. My brother had, so my brother is 14 years older than me, almost 13 and a half years older than me. And he had, he had gone through um, his own health crisis three years earlier. He had been diagnosed with cancer. It was um, like devastating, serious. He'd gone through a number of tests and did more tests. Then they lost the tests. He went through more tests. It was like a whole thing three-month process and all I know is that everybody I knew was praying everybody was praying and on Easter weekend we got a call I got a call from my brother and he's like the tests have come back again this was this was right before the first book came out Mm. which came out in May Um, because Easter he phoned and he said "Um, the test came back I'm cancer free there's no cancer oh my god I said Hugh what happened? What do you think happened? And he said, I think it was a miracle. And I said, I think it was too. And he flew out because he lived out in BC. He lived in Kelowna. He, he flew out and he was there for the launch of my book with the rest of the family. And it was, it was very, very lovely. And then 2017, the cancer came back. And this time was in Mm. September. I mean, it had been a a whole process, but uh, by September, two things happened. One, on the one day, I got a call from Connor, who I had not seen. He had disappeared. Um, Mm. I hadn't seen him for months. And I got a call from him. He was in another city. He was in crisis. He needed help. And I was like, were there we got him we brought him back we brought him back into the house and the next day I got a call from my sister-in-law saying your brother is not leaving the hospital so said to my husband have you got Connor he said yes that I'm going out to Kelowna to be with my brother and I remember being with my brother he, he did not I got out there a day before he died he did not regain consciousness, but he and his daughter, so my niece, who is his adult daughter, we spent that last night in vigil with him, just trying to keep him comfortable. And I remember it was the 23rd of September and I was calling my parents. I was saying, you've got to come and get him. You've got to come and get him. You've got to come and get him. And I had my hands on him. My niece was taking a nap, trying, um, and she woke up and she she was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm I'm just calling mom and dad." And she said, "Can I help?" I said, "Of course." I'd been doing it for like an hour, but the second that she put her hands on him, I felt the energy move, and he opened his eyes, mm-hmm. and I was like. 
And she just went right up to his eyes. And she was just like, you know, I love you. You're a great dad. You know, it's okay. You can go. And I went up to his head and I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing this. right? Uh (laughs) And then now I know what I was doing. And that's when I was, I was calling mom and dad even more. And these two ravens flew to the window. Oh, And I remember thinking, why is he still here? And then I just bent down and I whispered about his wife. I said, we have her. Don't worry. We have her. And he didn't take another breath. And the two birds flew off. Wow. So the thing about that was that that was September 23rd of 2017. And I remember flying back from Kelowna, knowing that there was a whole thing that I was going to be walking into with my son Mm -hmm. and having all that trepidation. Do I have the strengths? And it was just this thought I had, right? Because I looked out the plane window. I looked down at the clouds and I saw a triple rainbow what triple so because we were above the clouds there's no horizon so the rainbow was a full circle oh my god full circle on the clouds and three of them (gasps) oh like concentric circles yes each other oh my god somewhere i took a picture like it's never seen anything like that the three of them And I looked at them and I thought, right, God doesn't just live in Kelowna. (laughs) If that was spirit in action, then I'm going home to spirit in action, even though it may not feel the same, right? So there was a whole thing that happened. I mean, that was 2017. And my son went like this. And ultimately, there was... So the last conversation I had with my son was the 15th of September. I knew that there were things that were going on. I was asking him all the questions that one asks. Are you doing drugs? Are you reaching out to your psychiatrist? Are you safe with yourself? All of the things. I was also planning to fly out. I had a I had a flight to go back on the 28th of September because I was going to see some family. I was going to help him out, you know, make sure that everything was okay. He was going to be coming here to Wales in December so I was going to like make sure that his um, passport was all you know where it needed to be like all of that sort of stuff so he was like yep I am okay I'm there was some stuff that was going on I knew that there was mental health issues that were happening but we're we were tracking it mm-hmm. my sister who um, lived close by she went to see him on you know the next day on the Thursday and because of some weird thing that happened with her car and locking keys in which didn't make any sense but she ended up spending three hours with him having a really great conversation um she said they prayed together because she's that's you know her mode Mm. of love is and it was really lovely and then none of us could reach him none of us could reach him and by the Thursday, which was the 22nd of September, mm-hmm. I was like, I realize he's an adult person. And, you know, I wouldn't talk to my mom sometimes for a month, but it did not feel right. It didn't feel right. I contacted his landlord who said, you know, we're actually a little concerned because we haven't, we haven't heard him for days. So I called my sister and she drove out to see him as I was waiting to hear 
my husband called me. I was in the living room and he was like, you come here. What is that? What is that in the backyard? And it was a raven. Mm. And I remember thinking, that's my brother. He's come to tell me something. So that was probably about five o'clock in the afternoon. And it was five hours later that I got the call. And the thing is, is that what's interesting, you know, with all of these weaves, I got the call from my son in 2017. And then the call about my brother the very next day. And we learned about Connor's passing on the 22nd of September and the fifth anniversary of Hugh's death was the next day. Oh my God. something even in that as devastating as it was that made me realize that I was like okay they've got him they've got him we're destroyed here but he's okay and so I mean there's so the next part of the journey was how to sort of bridge that I I did have a sense that that because I I don't know that anybody let me say this Mm. I don't believe my son took his life out of despair I believe he made a choice that he recognized that he he wanted peace and he couldn't get it there But there's still Mm. energy around leaving this world in that way. So the next three weeks when my husband and I were in Canada was about how to honor that life, but also how to kind of bridge to make sure his soul was okay. Like his spirit really was at peace. And there is so much around that too. Like what? So, so part of it, oh gosh. When we were, when I was still in Canada, two weeks before I was packing everything up, like they were coming with the van and and picking up everything and I was getting on a plane. I really had to take a course to learn Indian head massage. And everything about that is like, you are <laughs> like, where what? is this even coming what from? Is like, no, I had to take this course. I had to take this course. There was a woman that I knew. I didn't know her very well, but I knew that she taught it. She hadn't oh. taught it in years because of COVID. It was like coming up two weeks before we moved to his credit, when I said to my husband, I had to take this weekend long course two weeks before we're leaving the country to move to another country. He's like, okay, do what you need to do. Oh, God bless him. Oh, (laughs) love that man. (laughs) There's so much, so much. God bless him. Yeah. So I took it with a friend of mine. It was just the two of us, the woman who was teaching us, she had just graduated as a funeral director. And so although I was learning Indian head massage when we were like taking breaks and having lunch, there was so much because I was also really after the noble art, I really started to delve into really my work has been psychopomps, how to be a hand from one realm to another how how do you traverse the darkness of the dark night of the soul how do you be a light to someone going through that so you know the great work takes you through the whole cycle of the year right and the noble art takes you through all of that on a different level 
but yeah. I've really been honing in on that bardo state of cycle eight, right? That in between. Yeah. And 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 that is death, right? Moving from life to death is how do we traverse that? But as as a psychotherapist, this is the work we do. People yeah. come to us in the dark and they are trying to find the light. And and the the space held is the work of a psychotherapist is that liminal place where people are learning how to let go of what no longer serves the heaviness that that holds them down so that they can step back into their light it is a death Absolutely. a death to the old and and a rebirth into the truth of themselves so that was the work I was doing and so talking with her from a funeral director perspective and you know psychopomps and, and all of that so the first call that I made not call but text that I sent when my husband and I so we were on a plane the next day coming back to Canada we had a stopover in Munich and I was messaging my friend saying I never thought that this would be the way that I would be reaching out to you but I need a shroud for my son because she one part of the work that she does is making shrouds and so that was Friday she had the shroud made Sunday and that night was it Sunday night Sunday night or Monday night, I can't remember which night, I gathered with my friends, I put a call out on Facebook, I said, this is what we are doing for Connor, anybody who wants to have a message that he will be wrapped in, we held a ritual, and me and three of my my heart sisters, um, we wrote all the messages all over the shroud, so that he was wrapped in all of these messages of love did you write them on the fabric did you we write did. them on? oh wow, wow on wow, the wow. fabric in sharpie wow. pens so that on the inside so still from the outside mm-hmm. it just looked like this beautiful sort of natural uh, muslim but on the inside were oh. multicolored pictures and symbols and messages and that's what carried him that's what carried his body into through transition. So those those are the sorts of things that, you know, it's like, Ooh. it made no sense for me to take a course, a weekend long course, two weeks before we move. But this is part of, I think, that the tragic to magic is, is mm-hmm. if something is nudging your heart, it may not make any sense whatsoever. It needs oh. to be done. Because you just, you don't know, right? Wow, Tiffany. So, so thank you so much. I'm so, I'm just riveted. I'm hanging on your every word. Oh. Part of this too, is that I realized, like this was uncharted territory. Um. And, and so it felt like we were moving through, you know, I can talk psychopaths, but then when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in the dark. And, and again, so much of it was like, I, I think I, I told you with, um, with doing the obituary that, you know, they, the funeral home was great. And they gave me a template and they're like, you know, I know it's really hard to write it, but here are some things you can say. And I'm like, I, I can't write this. I, I can't write it like this. It starts, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, where our hearts say goodbye to so-and-so. I can't even remember how the beginning of the templates survived by. And I was like, he survived by everybody. He's 24 years right. old. He survived by everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I can't write this. And so I just started by saying, and I said, it's an impossible thing to write this. And that's what started it. Yeah. And and that I think is again the tragic to magic is 
even in the impossible thing that I'm being asked to do? How do I find the energy or the strength or, or the light to do that impossible thing in the way that is true to my heart? And I can't do that. I mean, it's helpful to have other people say, oh, do it this way. And here's a template and that that's helpful. Right. But sometimes it's helpful in recognizing that, yes, not that. <laughs> exactly. There's value in the not that. That's underrated, actually. The not yeah. that is meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> it helps to clarify. Yeah. So... So out of that then, and, and I, I love again, this woman that um, she was just so good at, yep, absolutely. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to refuse to print this obituary. And she was like, no, this is absolutely perfect. Um, because I also did talk about what was so hard about the way he died, you know? And um, so then when we were talking about his celebration of life, which again, like you're still reeling from, like, I can't even believe this is the reality that I'm living in. And, and now I'm trying to plan this thing. And not least of the fact that I didn't have any stuff because all my stuff was still in storage. I had no photographs. I mean, I did, thank goodness for like iCloud, right? <laughs> yes, thank God, but, right? Um, but and so I was was able to put together the celebration. But the, even saying like, well, how do you, what flowers do you want? It's like, because oh, yeah. again, we're leaving. I, it's, it, you know, I don't know where these things are going to go. So I said, um, I want pumpkins. I had this beautiful picture of Connor always like of him as this, this little guy. And we'd gone to a pumpkin patch and he was like carrying this big pumpkin. I was like, oh, I want 24 pumpkins. I want oh. a pumpkin for every year of his life. And oh. so a friend of mine took me to a pumpkin patch and we got all these different oh. sizes of pumpkins. And then I saw this massive white pumpkin and I was like, and that's the 25th pumpkin because that's his spirit pumpkin. And so we had these pumpkins all over the, the place um, with again, Sharpie pens and invited people to write messages or memories. And the thing that amazed me, because again, I just put it on, on Facebook, just, you know, how do you communicate these things? At one point I looked around and I was like, I don't, I don't know all these people. <sighs> there were, there were a bunch of young adults there. I had no idea who they were. And they were, they were, they were kids when he, that Connor had gone to high school with and that he hadn't seen in six, seven, eight years. And I had it as a, I, I did talk a little bit and then I just, I had an open mic, which again, a bit risky, but I'm like, I, sometimes you just have to step out onto that tightrope, right? And just whatever it is, it's, it's going to be what it is. And it was so beautiful because person after person came up people I didn't know and they told all these stories about Connor that I didn't know and I can't tell you how many of them said oh I remember when Connor invited us over to his house I'm like well I don't remember that he's got some explaining to do <laughs> but so many of them said you know, I had just come to the school. I didn't know anybody. And he just took me under his wing. Like he had such a big heart. So many messages that I got of, you know, Connor changed my life. Connor introduced me to, you know, community. Connor, you know, was so kind. And, and there is a whole thing in that too that I, I see that sometimes there are these people who have such big hearts and Connor was homeless for a time. And I remember like, just come back. And he was like, but I don't want to leave them. You know, these are good people. I don't want to leave them. 
And I kept saying to him, but you can't help them in it. You Mm. have to be out of it to help Mm. them. So after that, at the end of the celebration of life that night, you know, the staff said, so what do you want us to do with the pumpkins? You know, we can take them, donate them or whatever. And I'm like, no, I want to go on a pumpkin journey because we were still there for about another 10 days. So we took all 20, 25 pumpkins, 24 pumpkins. And over the next days, we spent three days in Toronto. I laid pumpkins at all the places that were like, you know, he was born at a, he was a home birth. We went to the house in Toronto where he was born. And mm-hmm. I, you know, remembered and I put the pumpkin on the porch. And then we were driving to the place. I'll never forget this. We were driving to the place where I used to walk with him all the time when he was a baby. And we were passing the movie theater where I took him to see his very first movie was the Tigger movie. And then I took oh. him with his little friend Ivan to go see Spider-Man and they dressed up in their Spider-Man pajamas. But I did not realize that that is not a children's movie. It was pretty scary. <laughs> so at one point, these two little like three-year-olds were like, what? And I covered them with my coat and I'm like, okay let's go. So I was telling my husband that story as we're driving past the movie theater to go to the place where I used to walk with him all the time. And we parked the car and I got out of the car and I grabbed the pumpkin that I was going to put at the beach. And I looked up and there was a mom walking with her little kid and he was wearing Spider-Man pajamas. Oh my God. Oh my God. I cannot even tell you how many things like that were happening. There were, oh. there were so many things like that were happening. And that's the thing too, which is, I mean, none of this was planned. It just evolved. Like, right, this is what we need to do next. This is what we need to do next. This is what we need to do next. And each step, like there is a place in Toronto, Castellano, that I used to take Connor like Toronto's castle. And I remember when he was, again, he was maybe two years old and I took him, it was winter. We had our coats in the coat room and we went out into the main hallway and Connor went running up to a wall and he said, where's door? I'm like, there's no door. It's a wall. He's like, where's the door? Where's the door? And you know, I mean, it's like, was oh, this a past life thing? Blah, 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 blah. And I went along, went, you know, nick, nick, and then dug 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 it was like oh like it was hollow behind what yeah so anyways Casaloma was another place where we went to lay a pumpkin because it was so so again there was a pumpkin in there into a pumpkin display (laughs) so Connor was there and then we went through because my husband had never been to Casaloma we walk in and I look right beside where the coat room used to be. There was a door opening to a restaurant. It's like, there's a door at the wall where Connor had said, where's the door? Which then I was like, maybe this was always going to be. Maybe it wasn't a past life thing. Oh, Maybe it was like a future memory thing. Oh my God right oh and even the word play adore to adore oh my god so there's so many things like that which makes for a very odd week because it is it is I I can't even describe how heart-wrenching I think that's the other thing too when I say like I lost my mom I lost my dad I lost my brother Mm-hmm. none of them come close to losing your child it is like having mm. your foundation like just ripped right out and and yet at the same moment to just keep having these messages I just felt like I'm okay mom I'm okay mom oh my I'm god okay mom 
Tiffany. Oh my God. I don't want to stop you. I want to keep going for hours. I want every <laughs> single morsels. I want every pumpkin. I just, I guess I just want to reflect in here that this is, I mean, I'm just, I'm envisioning you on this edge, like this very tender edge and just like living from, from grace. I mean, this is, <coughs> this is how to live, like to be in the, I don't know what kind of flowers. Oh, let's get pumpkins. Oh, let's, oh, and let's get 24 of them. Oh, look at that. What? Let's get the 25th one. Cause that's it. like every moment is like a, oh, oh, and then we'll go, what are we going to do with the pumpkins? Oh, we're going a pumpkin journey. Like it's, this is, we don't have a plan for how to do life. I think when we're not in such a heightened state of, of shatteredness, where the, where the, <laughs> I'm just all choked up, where the, um, the veneer, the the facade of of control that we normally think we have is just gone in those moments. So it's not, it's like what, so, so the fact that it's gone is actually a blessing because it's like the way you're describing this very delicate weave, just, it just feels like a woman walking through life without any facade, without anything that doesn't matter clogging up the space or taking up residence it's like nothing else matters but what's happening now and right. what is this communication and what are these signs and what are these synchronicities and what to do now i mean this is it's it, it's i i wish that we i mean i feel like you are just this wise woman i'm talking to someone right now who and this has been now a couple years and I feel like you're still, you're, and I don't know you, like I don't have a history with you in this life, although I feel like my soul does, mm -hmm. but I imagine what I'm imagining is that you were already this way, but this is just Connor's passing has just made you more so. And you are, you have always been a way shower and a light and a guide but now with connor's passing you are now even more so because mm -hmm. here you are as a testament to how we live through the unthinkable mm -hmm. um there's that song in the hamilton musical the unimaginable i don't know if you've heard that song but it's about it's after he loses his wife and it's the most mm -hmm. touching song he's living through the unimaginable yeah. oh gosh and it's yeah. this is it's like how do you do the unthinkable the unimaginable you don't know until each moment guides you and one of the stories i share in my book a crisis is a terrible thing to waste is um after tendril died a baby i was adopting so i didn't know her i didn't have the history but i had a couple oh. I have two profound weeks with this child oh. and it was the shattering of all shatterings yeah. and it was the unthinkable like it was just all I was asking the very same questions do these spiritual tools that I teach are do they hold up right and some of them didn't yeah a lot of them were kind of like well there they go I'll put them in a I'm not going to throw them away, but I'm putting them in a bucket that I may look at at some point. Who knows? But it was the beginning of some new tools that I hadn't known I was going to need. But what we need does come to us. And just like what you've shared, there was radical moments of surrender followed by radical moments of unthinkable beauty and synchronicities that... I didn't see coming. I couldn't have predicted. I couldn't have planned that were just undeniable signs. And even now, her name was Tendril, is Tendril. And mm -hmm. it's springtime here. And there are so many tendrils growing everywhere. Just great. And so I'm just surrounded by Tendril. And, right. and, I, and there's, I mean, the synchronicities are just innumerable. 
And it's this book is the first time I've told that story publicly. So it's still fresh for me. And I feel so honored to, to get to meet you in this place and to be, to bear witness to this first time you're sharing this in a public way like this. And I, I just know that these stories, like we need these like oxygen. We We need, we need to hear this and, and to know because there's such a stigma about what, what happens when someone takes their life. Like there's so many erroneous judgments and projections. And what would you say to, to somebody who is, who maybe is dealing with something like this, who's stuck in their, in their place of grief, even more so because of their beliefs around, around this? What would you say to them if you could? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that it can show up. And um, I, one of the things that I remember is, um, you know, this wasn't the first time that Connor came close to the edge when this time right. he just step over it, but um, there was another time when I, I intervened and I had him hospitalized. And, um, and even a year after that, you know, when we were again, rebuilding and, and we had this really, really long conversation. He was telling me so much about what his experience was and, and really the dark that he had gone into. And I remember saying to him, um, you know, you told me that if I had not intervened at that time, you would have taken your life. And he said, yes, but it was mine to take. And I know that he didn't totally pan out on that because after that conversation, he had a friend of his who attempted and Mm. Connor intervened. And I remember going to the hospital to visit that friend with Connor. And I said, you know, Mm. you saved his life. And Connor said, I know I did. And I said, the thing that made you make the call was the same thing that made me make the call. And I think there is something in, I don't know. I mean, I certainly, when I went through training and we were sort of taught that, you know, suicide is an, it's an angry action. And I don't know that I believe that. Yeah. Anymore. Of I think maybe it can. It can always. be. Right. I, I do feel like, so one of the things in the noble art. Yes. There's yes. a beautiful um, book. Oh my oh. goodness. Oh my goodness, let's all talk about the book for a moment, please. It's so magnificent. Everybody's got to run out and get it. Oh my God. And the great work as well. The books are well, so gorgeous. Oh, it's, thank you. Beautiful inside out, luscious, creative works, seasonal, ritual, ceremony that is that comes from that deep, deep, deep well. And it's so actionable and thoughtful yes so what you were saying yeah because I do I want want to be able to like are these the tools that work and I I use I use them yeah so I will say that when right after the the great work came out probably a couple of weeks after I remember um so my my dad, okay, so years ago, I went to Greece with my parents. My dad took me to the grave of Nikos Kazantzakis, which is in Crete, who wrote Last Temptation of Christ, Zorba oh, the wow. Greek, the epitaph on his grave, which is all about how to live with spirit, right? That's his mm. books are all about that. Mm. His grave says, I hope for nothing. I fear nothing. I am free. Oh. I hope for nothing. I I I fear, fear for nothing. nothing. I fear nothing. I, I am free. free. Or sometimes Ooh. it's I want nothing. I fear nothing. I am free. And there is this. It, it's not. It's not resignation. It's fullness. It's like 
I'm not attached to the past. I'm not attached to the future. I am fully present and I am right. free, fully present. Right. So after the great work came out and I was like, mm. yay, done. Never doing that again. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last author words. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is all being recorded so it can be transcribed. So it can be your next great work. <laughs> P.S. So I had this nickel and I remember saying to Connor one more. I'm like, oh, Connor there's another book and all I know about it right now is it is going to be guided by I want nothing I fear nothing I am free oh that's all I know right now so that was 2015 oh but weirdly again not weirdly but so again Connor going through his journey there was a time when he again was homeless disconnected from us and I just remember him sort of showing up at the hive one day and um just needing to communicate some stuff and and his shirt kind of fell open and I was like what's that over over his heart I'm like what's that he's like I got a tattoo I'm like what tattoo that's what he got tattooed over <gasps> his heart in the greek oh oh my god oh oh that is so beautiful those are such beautiful words to co i don't want this conversation to ever end on a parallel plane we'll keep going but let's put it over all of our hearts just like connor did I hope for nothing. I fear nothing. I am free. Right. Ah, Tiffany Lassick, you are a sister of my soul. And I am so grateful that we, that we're doing this. I'm so grateful for you and for your courage and your beautiful and gentle and powerful way that you are walking through the unimaginable mm -hmm. and shining such a bright light for all of us and then leaving big breadcrumbs behind in the form of these big beautiful books ways for us to be able to perceive the seasons of life and the seasons within ourselves and the rituals and the depth of spirit and soul and psyche and you are an angel and I will never see ravens in quite the same way. <laughs> and pumpkins, I will never see them in quite the same way. And you have, you're just a healing salve. And I really adore you. Any, I mean, we've got the last words. I hope, I hope for nothing. I fear for nothing. I am free. But mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the last words before we, we conclude. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Well, I think in truth, it really, if I can come back to your words, which is attend to the simple things because I think that is you know in all of this there I think I live fairly authentically and but there's a lot of static and I have to say the losing Connor like just clarified oh right I now know what's important and it is it is a simple things so coming to this land I had hoped that he would be healed by this land but instead we have been healed by this land we came back to this land we were enveloped by this land and when things go like this it is attempt to the simple things I stop everything and I step out the door and I go to the beach or I go to the dunes or I go to an ancient site, sit on a mound, sit on a hill, just I'm wearing a snail, like slow down mm -hmm. <laughs> attend to the simple things. So I do oh. believe that, that is what life is about. Amen, sister. Tiffany Lassick, thank you so much for joining me today. And I and I know we all are enriched 
in the in the place where it counts the most even if it means i need to redo all my makeup it's okay so worth it hiveandgrove.ca is tiffany's website please check out her books the noble art and the great work and you will love them both you will be enriched by them so run don't walk but walk slowly and run slowly <laughs> and attend <laughs> to, to the, the simple, simple things <laughs> attend to the simple thing thank you tiffany lastic please be in touch let's do this again very soon and maybe i'll come to see you in oh, wales in wales oh, i'm planning God. on it just know i've already i've already sent it out there so let us see you soon oh, okay beautiful. big hugs my sweet sister i love you thank you so much sweet dreams thank you Thank you for listening to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to like, subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. My show can be found on Apple iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to order my new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, Go to your favorite online or brick-and-mortar retailer, then head on over to kellysullivanwalden.com tragic to magic. Input your order number and redeem your bonus gifts. I'm also excited to be offering a DreamWork practitioner training. So if that calls to you, go to kellysullivanwalden.com forward slash DreamWork. If you'd like to join me for the live recording of these shows, most Wednesdays at noon Pacific, you can find me on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. If you have a question about your dreams or about how to transform your tragic into magic, email me at kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. Until next time. Remember, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And as you awaken to the power of your dreams, you make the world a lighter, brighter, more beautiful place, one dream at a time. Sweet dreams. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.